Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Amen. Well, we're going to change the order of our service tonight, go to the Word of the Lord, and I'm feeling of a Holy Ghost to talk about this subject tonight that I really don't talk about real often. I may have touched upon it once or twice this year, maybe once. Um, I'm going to talk to you tonight about the fact that what we are seeing happen in this country and around the world in the news. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm my I'm not uh, worried. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful. I believe that God has everything completely in His hands and under His control. And what we see going on in the world today, God's not surprised at it. He knew it was coming. And um, it just seems like every day I wake up, and if I happen to check the news, most of the time it's on the Internet, it's 98% negative. That may be a little bit high, but not much, if any. Um, but there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is my subject tonight. And uh, the reason that you're seeing things really uh, seeming to go downhill so fast is because we are living in the end time. That's a general phrase. I know it, but uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about understanding the end time. And I'm going to talk about some basics. Uh, the, the, the current events that we see today are a direct fulfillment of Bible prophecies that were written thousands of years ago. And that, that's fascinating. And what was written in the Bible thousands of years ago, we see it happening before our very eyes. And that proves conclusively that we are living in the end time. And I'll explain to you in detail in just a moment what that phrase, the end time, means. But um, there are topics that we uh, think of when we think of the end time and the prophecies in the Bible concerning them. Those topics are on this list you see on the screen. They include uh, world government, world religion, mark of the beast, World War III, reborn holy empire, holy Roman empire, excuse me, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian peace problem that uh, the world is looking for a solution to, uh, red heifers. How many have heard of red heifers? Okay, that's in the Bible too about the end time. That's the, the cows that uh, the uh, Israelites used, one of the main animals they used for their sacrifices in the tabernacle worship in the Old Testament. And did you know they are wanting to do that again? They are waiting for their temple to be rebuilt in Israel, in Jerusalem, so that they can uh, pick back up what uh, they used to do hundreds of years ago when the sacrifices stopped. 
that is the third temple. There were two temples in the Old Testament. Uh, the second one, when it was rebuilt after the first one was destroyed, the second one um, was in existence in the time of Jesus when he walked upon the hillsides of Israel. And he predicted that uh, not very long after he would leave the scene, that second temple would be destroyed, and indeed it was in 70 A.D. with the invading Roman general Titus came and absolutely leveled the entire city of Jerusalem, including the second temple. So the Jews are wanting to build the third temple so they can continue to worship God in the manner that they did in the Old Testament with the sacrifices. There's also the subject of the Battle of Armageddon. And, of course, one near and dear to our hearts, the rapture. Then the second coming of the Lord back to earth. And finally, the implementation of the kingdom of God upon this earth once and for all in a physical form. Now, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, and he actually established the, the implementing of the kingdom of God in the earth with his death, burial, and resurrection and the church. But for the last 2,000 years, his disciples didn't understand this at first. Uh, they thought he was coming. He had arrived there at that time to give Israel independence and to establish the kingdom of God in the earth politically and naturally. But he, he, he finally got it across to them. That wasn't why he came. He came to establish his kingdom first for the first 2,000 years as a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of people. Anyone, the Bible says, whosoever will, would like to become a part of it, become a part of the church, the family of God. When this dispensation, this time period known as the church age is over, uh, things are going to happen real fast, and shortly thereafter, we will have... Jesus appearing on a white horse in the eastern sky, and uh, every eye shall behold him, the Bible says, and he will come to earth to establish his kingdom in a political, natural sense. And Jesus will be ruler over all of this earth. So these are just some topics that fall under the heading of uh, the phrase end time, and all of these things are prophesied of in the Bible. So this lesson tonight, and it'll be two parts, tonight's part one, is, is really to kind of give you an overview of the end time, but, but there's some things that I want to stress that I may not have done before and said, like I'm going to say tonight and next Wednesday night, like I've said in the past, uh, the timing of these events is of the utmost importance because we are right now tonight just prior to the time when Jesus is going to return to establish his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. And in the short time we have remaining, before that happens, the prophecies in the Bible foretell us of, quite frankly, some very perilous times that are going to be on the earth. Uh, and, and here's why 
the reason for this study tonight, here's why we want to go over it again. First of all, is to introduce to people who may not have heard these things. Uh, I realize that many of you have heard of most of or all of these things. But we need to think about this. We're not just trying to get our uh, house in order and, and keep our garments white and, uh, you know, walk in right relationship with Jesus just so that we can go to heaven ourselves. We've got families. We've got friends. We've got coworkers. There are people around us that have no clue that all of this stuff is in the Bible and proves that we are living just before the culmination of this time, this age. And, and these things are going to happen. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you believe that you understand these end-time prophecies well enough to instruct your loved ones and your family members about the end-time events uh, that the Bible says is going to take place and how very short a time we have left. You need to be able to do that. How will they know which events to avoid or participate in? They won't know unless we teach them. Somebody say amen. You say, well, Brother Edwards, why the sense of urgency? Because the end time is right now. Uh, regardless of when the rapture takes place, and there's different theories about when it's going to take place. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the timing of the rapture in this two-part study. So we're not even going to discuss it. But uh, you just need to be ready for the rapture whenever it happens. Amen? Uh, but there's something more important than, than that, than when the rapture is going to take place. If you're... You know, if you're waiting to get ready for the rapture, you're not going to make it. You need to have the, the, the idea right now, I need to get ready right now. And so this, uh, the more you know about the end time prophecies in the Bible, uh, the more you will be convinced as these things are unfolding before our eyes that you need to be telling people about it, especially people that you love and care about. So let's talk about what is the end time. When people hear the words end time, uh, many folks immediately associate that phrase with the end of the world. And in a, in a technical sense, that is not true at all because the world is not going to end during the fulfillment of these Bible prophecies and during this end time. The Bible says that... Uh, when all of this stuff takes place, as I said a while ago, Jesus is going to rule on the throne of this earth. He's going to tell everybody what to do, how high to jump, and when to jump. Okay? Every government, every if there will be rulers in the earth, the Bible says we'll, we will rule and reign with him. It doesn't really say where. It could be in his millennial reign. Probably so, but the Bible doesn't say that exactly. Uh, regardless of, of who is ruling in the earth, if, if there's a president over the U.S. or a prime minister over England during the millennial reign of Christ, whoever's in power, they're all going to have to answer to Jesus because he is going to be the supreme ruler of this world. But the world is not going to come to an end. 
now, the Bible does have one scripture, one or two, that talk about this world is going to be destroyed someday by fire, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. But the Bible's not very clear about that or the timing. But for our purposes, you tell folks the end time doesn't mean the world's going to come to an end. Now, some people say, oh, the world's going to come to an end, and they're really talking about the Battle of Armageddon or the World War III when, when you know, the, the world is going to see destruction and devastation like never before. But the world's not going to come to an end right then. Okay, we got that. What is it? The end time or end of the age is the end of the time of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God in the earth. So when we say we are in the end time, we simply mean that we are in the time period in which we are quickly approaching the second coming of Jesus and the battle of Armageddon, which is when this transition is going to take place. And we are living through the events uh, of this end time. And we talked about or listed them on many of them on the screen for you a while ago that were prophesied in the Bible to occur during this time called the end time. Uh, think about this. Every 2,000 years since the earth's formation or creation, there has been a major event in the plan of God uh, for human beings on the earth to take place. Uh, about 4,000 B.C., Adam and Eve were created. 2,000, around roughly 2,000 years later, around 2,000 B.C., uh, who was born? Bible scholars? Abraham. Yep, it was about 2,000 years from Adam and Eve to Abraham. And that was the creation of God's people in the natural, the uh, nation of Israel. Abraham was born, became the father of the physical people of God on earth, the Jews. And he became, Paul tells us in the New Testament, several places, Abraham was the father of the spiritual people of God on earth. That's the church. And then 2,000 years after Abraham, approximately, who was born? Jesus. That's right. And uh, he did what he did. God came to earth, created a plan for the church to exist and a plan for how you get in the church. Aren't you glad you know what that is tonight? So the historic point in time that we are living in right now, it, it, it's about 2,000 years that the church has existed since Jesus was here. And so we are coming up to another one of those places in the earth's history where it's time for the next major event or series of events that God has ordained take place to happen. And so that is basically the second coming of Jesus and his thousand, the establishing of his thousand year reign of peace. So the Bible tells us very clearly, after the end of human government, at the last trump, there's going to be uh, a thousand years on the earth when Jesus sets up his kingdom. And during that time, the millennial reign of Christ, there will be no war, none whatsoever. 
There will be total peace upon the earth, which is what man has been trying to do himself ever since he got here. And man has proven to himself he doesn't get it yet as a race, or at least most people don't, that it's impossible for man to bring peace upon the earth. And that is because of sin in the world and sin in each human being, the sin nature that is within us. So mankind, here's what God did. He allowed mankind to rule the earth for the last uh, 6,000 years, and God did that. He allowed mankind to rule himself for a period of time in order to learn that he cannot rule himself successfully. But Jesus is coming back, praise God, and he's going to establish his kingdom, and his kingdom will never pass away and never be destroyed. So this is the end time or the end of the age, is the time period that is the transition period between the church age uh, or right before the church age ends and Jesus comes back and sets up his reign for a thousand years in the earth. Now, the prophecies that are told in the Scripture uh, a man by the name of Daniel was told that uh, he was given several of these prophecies. He, he saw them. There were several other men in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that were shown these things that was on the list I showed you that would be taking place during this end time period. Uh, and, and Daniel, he was a great prophet. He was given some of the greatest, most prolific end-time prophecies of what was going to come to pass. And a lot of Daniel's prophecies that he was given are coming to pass right now before our eyes. But Daniel didn't understand the prophecies. Uh, and he was told, basically, that Daniel is not for you and your people right now. Okay, I'm going to take care of you. But God said... These, these prophecies that, that you have been shown are for the future, for a certain time. And guess who God chose those prophecies to be for, to understand, to have them revealed to? It's we, the church, who are living now in that end time when these prophecies come to pass. Uh, in Daniel 12 and 8, Daniel prayed. Uh, and he asked God to understand what he had been given to write and what he had written. And, and God told Daniel no. And then he explained to him why. In verse 9, he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up for now and sealed till the time of the end or the end time or right now. I remember as a boy growing up, I grew up in this apostolic church church. Uh, and uh, my parents took me to church right after I was born. I've been in, in this thing all my life. And it's been amazing to me. I remember when I was younger, a boy and then a teenager, I would hear preachers talk about these things, the end time. And it was, it was I mean, they were receiving men, apostolics were receiving, spirit-filled people were receiving revelation of what these end time scripture prophecies meant. But 
but 50, 60 years ago, it wasn't nearly as clear as it is today. And as time has gone by over the last several decades, and it continues to happen this way, we understand more and more clearly the end-time prophecies. And one of those reasons is because we see it happening right before our very eyes. Uh, Almighty God, in, in 5050 B.C., that's when Daniel lived, and the book was written, the book of Daniel, he made a sovereign decision that he would make uh, that he would hide the understanding of Bible prophecy until a particular time in man's history, several hundred years later after Daniel lived. And, and these words, it says, were closed up and sealed unto the time of the end. And God chose to reserve the understanding of those prophecies, what they mean, until the special time called the end time, and you and I live in that time right now. So Almighty God is, is as I said a while ago, is continuing to reveal these prophecies to the church, uh, to he that hath an ear, as he told John, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. It's not because we uh, who are living today in the church age are more spiritual. It's not because... We're smarter or more intellectual or more intelligent, but simply because it's time. It's God's time on God's calendar. God decided to put end-time prophecy in the hands, an understanding of it, in the hands of the end-time church. Why? Well, I can tell you undoubtedly what the reason for that is. There's one main reason why he chose until now in the end time to reveal us the understanding of the prophecies about it. It is because, I know you've already guessed it, most of you, for the purpose of the evangelization of the lost, this world. It is for the purpose of motivating us and those who hear us tell them what the Bible says about what's going to happen in the earth to motivate people to get saved and really to bring about the great end-time revival that God has planned for this world right before he comes back. Praise God. Now, John records the words of Jesus in chapter 14 of his gospel, verse 29. Jesus said, Now I have told you before it come to pass that when it comes to pass you might believe. Uh, in this particular case, he was referring to his resurrection from the dead. He was talking to his disciples about the fact he was going to rise from the dead. But that's the power of prophecy. When God foretells something in intricate detail far in advance and then it comes to pass, people are amazed at how amazingly accurate the Bible is, how supernatural the Word of God is, and how all-knowing God is. And that triggers faith in the hearts of many people to believe God for salvation. They say, well, if God predicted this would come true, and wow, it did come true just like he said it would in his word, then I better obey his word and get saved and, and, and because there really is going to be a heaven and a hell. And, and uh, so uh, John in Revelation 19 records uh, this really amazing phrase, verse 10, and this is just part of it. He said, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit 
of prophecy. Let me say that again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God has always used prophecy and its fulfillment to create faith in people's hearts who are going to believe. So now we are entering the time of the most rapid fulfillment of Bible prophecies, one after the other, in the history of the entire world. And nobody really deserves to enter the time period that we are going into just ahead without having the chance to know what the Bible says is going to happen and having a chance to receive salvation from the Lord in lieu of what's going to happen on this old world. It ain't going to be pretty. So uh, people who, who do end up living through the time that's just ahead of us, the, the rest of the end time, uh, without understanding the Bible's prophecies about it, that, that's going to be like walking through a minefield blindfolded. It's hard enough walking through a minefield with your eyes. It doesn't help very much. But think about doing that blindfolded. Prophetic fulfillments are happening almost every day. You see it in the news. The Apostle Paul said there would be perilous uh, times in the last days. And there are other prophecies that foretell about the chaos and the incredible danger. It's in the future of this old world very soon. But God didn't want his church to walk unawares of what was about to happen. So uh, we need to understand about the end time. There are people who claim that the prophecies of the end time cannot be understood. Now, I, I don't know why they say that. Uh, they're deceived if they think that's true. But the prophet Daniel... Jesus and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John all give us account in the Bible that we can indeed understand end-time prophecy. First of all, Daniel. Daniel prophesied during the time of the Antichrist. He said, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he, that's the Antichrist, corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Wow, I like that. Hallelujah. Now watch the outline words. And they that understand among the people, that's the church, supposed to be us, shall instruct many. What does that mean? We're to warn people of what's to come so they will be motivated to have faith in God and obey the word and be saved. Uh, here's another uh, portion from Daniel, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. He said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise, who's that? That's the people of God, shall understand. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24 and 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in the holy place, the, the temple's going to be rebuilt, the Jews are going to start their sacrificing, and in that temple the Antichrist is going to allow them to do that sacrifice for three and a half years, the first half of the seven-year uh, 
period known as the time of Jacob's trouble, or we call it the Great Tribulation. First three and a half years are going to be peaceful, and the Jews are going to be allowed by the Antichrist, who will be ruling the one world government of the earth. He will allow them to do this sacrificing, but then he will come and set himself up as God and say, Jews, you can't worship Jehovah God anymore. You've got to worship me. And Daniel uh, was given these words to write down. That's going to be called the abomination of desolation. Uh, the Jewish temple was desecrated anytime uh, anyone who was not a Jew went into the inner part of the tabernacle. That's why uh, in the second temple, you remember, there was a court, an outer court for the Gentiles. The Gentiles could not go in. But this Gentile is going to desecrate the holy place in this temple, and this is called the abomination of desolation. Daniel is told, whoso readeth, let him understand. Uh, I'm, Daniel was told that, and Jesus said that. And then we have Paul. This is in 1 Thessalonians 5. I love this scripture. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's the second coming of the Lord, cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, that's the first three and a half years of peace of the seven-year tribulation period. The tribulation really doesn't start until the halfway mark, that three and a half years. Then God is going to pour out his wrath upon the earth. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness about this, th these things, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the, all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, but they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober. Then he says, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And then the apostle John in the book of Revelation wrote these words. He causeth all, talking about the Antichrist, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score, or 60 and six, or 666. The Almighty God who created this universe and created this planet Earth wanted those of us living in the end time to understand what's going on, what's about to happen, and for us to instruct those who do not understand. So we need to understand these, folk, these things, folks. And... Uh, so I'm going to provide the rest of tonight and next Wednesday night, if, if that works out, a, a brief overview of some of the major end-time events. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I, I think we need to grasp the importance of understanding these prophecies for ourselves. Okay, you won't have to tell people intricate details like I would teach from the pulpit and have taught before, but just the main 
the high points. And then if they're interested in details, you can go to the scripture or get help. Uh, I'll be glad to help you if you need help explaining any of these things to people that you're witnessing to. But you need to grasp the importance of these prophecies, understanding uh, them for yourself so you can tell others about them. First of all, let's talk about, we're going to go over uh, the rest of tonight and next week some of these topics. The U.S., the United States, and other modern nations in the Bible. Many people, uh-oh, did we lose the computer? All right, well, I'll go on until he gets it back up and running. Many people have said that the United States is not in the Bible. I beg to differ. That's simply not true. The United States is specifically mentioned in the Bible along with Russia, with Germany, with Great Britain, and uh, the rest of the countries of Europe as a group. But those that I uh, individually named, you can find in end-time prophecy scriptures. And these prophecies also foretell when these nations will exist and the role that each of them will play in this end time. So you, you need a, a clear understanding of the prophecies in Daniel chapter 7. Write that down. Go read that. Uh, and if you don't understand that, then you won't be able to explain the things that happen or are foretold in the book of Revelation, including the end time USA and uh, its alliance with Israel. Okay, that's in the Bible. The fact that there is a nation that would align itself with Israel and protect them and give them aid and assistance when the rest of the world is coming against them. Of course, that's what the U.S. has been doing with Israel ever since its inception in 1948 when it became officially a country once more recognized by the United Nations. Ever since then, uh, even though uh, our Western allies like Great Britain and Canada and others stood with us in defending Israel for a long time. Now, we are just about the only one that's willing to get our, our, our hands messy and say, we will stand with Israel, and if you come against them, then we're on their side, we're as one. Uh, you have people in this country who are trying to tear that down. And do that away. But God said a long time ago in the Old Testament, whoever blesses my people Israel, I will bless. And whoever comes against them, I will come against them. Now, that's kind of paraphrasing using my words. But um, when you interpret these prophecies, it will give you insight that nobody else has. Let me give you an example. What, uh, what hot spot over in Europe right now is going on that everybody's looking at the war in Ukraine? Now, I've seen this blasted across the Internet, news, and, and people discussing this. Uh, and there are people who think that uh, Russia and uh, Europe, see, the Ukraine, the nation of Ukraine is a part of what is called NATO. How many have heard of NATO? That's the something, uh, something, something, something. It is the alliance. I don't know what it means. Somebody look it up on your phone real quick. It's the alliance of, of the Western, mainly democratic, free countries of Europe. After World War II, they banded together. They said, we're never going to let a Hitler invade us again and have a World War II and overtake our countries like Hitler did in the early 40s. 
So they made this alliance. It's not the UN. It's, it's basically they, they align themselves together much like the United States have aligned themselves. Uh, the states have with each other that, you know, if somebody attacks one of the United States, every other year you're attacking every other 49 states, right? Well, Europe said, we, we need to band together. So they formed this organization called NATO. Now, Ukraine is not part of NATO. They want to be. In fact, at the very beginning of the Ukraine war, they asked NATO to let them come in. And uh, NATO hasn't done it yet. They're afraid, you know, if, if they do, because NATO, if you're a part of NATO, there are several countries if, if somebody attacks one of those countries, then they all have promised to come running and go to war with the attacked country against whoever attacked them. So Ukraine wants the protection of NATO. They haven't got it as of yet. But I've heard and seen on the news, well, Russia, uh, you know, and these countries of Europe are going to go to war and annihilate each other over this. Not so not going to happen. You know why? Because if that happened, then there are Bible prophecies yet unfulfilled that would never take place. And friend, honey, the Bible is going to happen just like it says it's going to happen. So Russia is not going to, uh, and these European nations are not going to annihilate themselves in a nuclear world war over Ukraine. Uh, it's just simply not going to happen because the Bible is going to come to pass. Let's go to another topic. The end time world government. How many have heard the words new world order? I don't remember how old I was. I was an adult. But I remember when this phrase first came to light in the news and at least where you heard it. And you heard it a lot. During the presidency of the first Bush, George Bush, uh, I don't know if that's George H. or I get the two of them mixed up. I mean, I, I know what the two are, the difference, but I get their names mixed up. Who is uh, George H. Bush? Was that the first one? Herschel? Okay. He came into the office of the presidency speaking this phrase. The New World Order. And I thought, what on earth is that? And over time, we learned the New World Order. Of course, Bush is a part of, I'm not going to go into it, but most men in political power in this country and around the world, at least the free world, have been a part of secret organizations that, that have been pushing for, and their goal is, a one world government. And the reason why they want that, there's a reason. And, and the devil is behind it all, of course. He has the, the leaders of the world deceived and a whole lot more than just the leaders. But here's the gist of it. They think that if they can get everybody to come together in one government, that it will bring peace, that they can stop war. And that's their goal. But this phrase, the new world order, uh, kind of, became bannered about like never before. And, and you, you hear phrases like the liberal international order, rules-based order, 
and the new world order. These are all synonymous terms for one world government. And we've heard a lot about, as I said, the new world order over the last decades. Did you know that the term new world order is on the back of your $1 bill? Who put that there? And it's been there for years. You want to see where it's at? It's right there. It's in Latin. The words under the pyramid appear novus ordo seclorum, which is Latin for new world order. Can you believe that? And that's been on the U.S. $1 bill for decades. What in the world is that doing on the U.S. dollar bill? Who put it there? How long has it been there? What is that all about? Well, I'm not going to answer those questions tonight because I don't have time. But I just wanted you to see that that's a part of our currency. The New World Order is one world government, and it's the same global governing entity that the Antichrist will ultimately take over leadership and lead. And prophecies foretell that the major nations involved in world politics and relationships uh, are, are, are even now forming the stage for this world government to come to pass. Another word for it that you hear a lot, everybody wants you to think it's great, globalization. And uh, we know that that's been years in being fostered and developed, and it's in this world more than ever before. President Biden is a staunch believer in world government. He has said so. Much of his agenda is a direct result of his allegiance to uh, the coming of a world government, and some of his policies that prove that are an open border, uh, that's just another way of letting us all mix together and become one. Uh, other policies that he has that prove that he is on board with one world government is uh, his policies in environmental wealth redistribution, shackling our economy. How many know that we pay a whole lot more now than we did a few years ago? Uh, his policy on ending our energy independence I mean, you know, we were energy independent before this president came into office. That's why gas doubled or whatever it is in the last two years. Uh, if you're mad at me for talking about President Biden, I'm just telling you the facts, not giving any opinion about it, quoting the facts. And also his policy on weakening our military because uh, this is one of the last countries on earth that's going to be the most difficult to be herded into a one-world government because Americans have always loved their sovereignty. And the good old boys, they don't have to live down south. They live all over this country, and there are millions of them who, have, who might have or, or agree with the bumper sticker on the back of their vehicle that says, you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. That mentality is 
one of the last things, and it's not just guns, it's not about guns, it's the mentality and the life philosophy that we are Americans, we fought for our independence over 200 years ago, and we're not going to give it to anybody. That is the last major hurdle, the last, the last major uh, block in front of Satan bringing to pass his goal of bringing America into you know, the one world government. You know, all these countries in Europe, most of them have gone to socialism now. Socialism is one step from communism, and communism is where government tells you what to do instead of you having your freedom. And uh, so the rest of the world is a lot farther along in developing the mindset and doing the things that had to be done so that the one world government could materialize. So what's going to happen in America? I'm not sure. Only the Lord knows. You hear talk now in the news about, you hear the words civil war. How many have heard the news, in the news the word civil war in this country? God's got it all in control. It's just my point is the Lord told us about all this thousands of years ago. Uh, let me go on. The list goes on and on. Just two or three more. Did you know that Islam is in the Bible? There are uh, books and movies that have been made about what you see there. This is some artist rendition of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There is a prophecy in the Bible, an end-time prophecy about four horsemen. Uh, this is a fascinating scripture. And, uh, I, you know, you ask, well, did the movies get it right? Did the books get it right? Where, what are the horses? What, who's the rider on top of them? What are the different colors? Each one was a different color. What does that symbolize? And, and these are important questions. Uh, everybody's wondering what's happening with Islam right now. Did you know that Islam is in the Bible? One of these four horses and the horseman that rode upon it is green. And it says, the, the rider on the green horse, it says pale. But if you look up the word pale, this is in Revelation, the, word, uh, the, word, the Greek word for pale, the King James translators translated it pale, the pale horse. The rider on the pale horse... Uh, was riding, uh, instead of pale like everybody we think today pale is, the Greek word uh, that was used in that scripture really is green. And the rider on the green horse was death. I'm not going to go into this prophecy in detail. We'll do that some other time, just so you'll know. Do you know what the official color of the Islam, nation of Islam is? Green. Green. Uh, let me go on. I'm running out of time. Another topic is World War III. You say, Pastor, does the Bible say World War III is really coming to this earth? Well, World War III is a good name for it because let me tell you what the Bible says. This is probably one of the most ominous, most foreboding prophecies uh, about the end time. It's a prophecy that there is coming a war 
Uh, it is called the sixth trumpet in the book of Revelation. Again, I'm not going to give you details. We've done this before. We'll probably do it again. It, some have called it the Euphrates River War because that's where it's going to uh, begin and emanate from. But some Bible scholars have just simply called it World War III. Here's why. Because the prophecy specifically states, this is in the book of Revelation, that one-third of human population on this earth is going to be wiped out in this war. One-third. We're approaching, what, 7 billion people on the earth now? So approximately 2 plus billion people die in this war. Hence, they're calling it World War Three. So, uh, the prophecies tell uh, about where it's going to begin, who's going to be involved, and then what the world is going to look like after one-third of mankind is totally wiped out. But that's still not going to be the end. Uh, and let me just leave this topic by saying there's, there's not even one-thousandth of one percent chance of it not happening, because the Bible says it's going to happen. Amen. Let's go to, this is the last one I'll cover tonight. We'll go to some more next Wednesday night. Israel's God-given destiny. God made a covenant with the Jews, with Abraham, and he said, all of your seed after you. That means every Jew that's ever been born descended from Abraham, every person Descended from Abraham. Uh, did you know there are more prophecies about the nation of Israel than any other in the Bible? Why is this tiny little country in our world today that, that controls one-tenth of one percent of the world's land surface, why is it in the news every day? From the time of Abraham until today, God has always dealt with the nation of Israel in a special way. Why is Israel a special nation? It's because God, the creator of this universe, made a covenant with them and said, my covenant with you will never end. And so it doesn't matter what the devil tries to do through the dictators and the leaders and, and, and the armies of this world uh, that have aligned themselves with the Arabs to literally wipe Israel off the map ever since they became a nation in 1948. You see it going on now more than ever before. Why are their, effort, why are their efforts going to fail? Because, because they've got, Israel has got God on their side. And my friend, you don't beat God. You don't defeat God. Aren't you glad you're on God's side? Musicians, why don't you come? I want to sing uh, He's Coming Soon. Israel was banished from their land. God promised them that land. He told Abraham, everywhere you put your foot, son, you're going to own it and your descendants. And they were evicted from that land in that event I talked about earlier tonight in 70 A.D. by the Romans. 
And then they were miraculously, just as God, just as God had prophesied in the Old Testament would happen, they were miraculously regathered from all over the planet back to their homeland. It started in the year 1948, almost 2,000 years later, when the nation of Israel was reborn. And that's prophesied right in your Bible that that would happen. Uh, why think about this why does the the world community say they think that the city of Jerusalem shouldn't belong to the Jews it should be an international city that's what the rest of the world says the Arabs and all of them why is the temple mount the place where Solomon's temple stood and where Israel wants to rebuild their temple why is that peace of real estate, the most disputed real estate on the planet, it's because those are God's people. And the devil hates them. And the devil has stirred up the world to come against them. And the Bible prophesies it. So you really, you really can't understand the Old Testament or the New Testament like you need to until you realize and know about Israel's God-given destiny and God's promises to them and the things that happened to them in this end time period God talks about thousands of years ago in his word let's stand together tonight I believe the Lord's coming soon don't you now I'm a proponent of the belief that God is going to rapture the church out of the earth before the time of Jacob's trouble, also called God's wrath being poured out upon the earth. But I do believe that everybody ought to be ready for the rapture right now. I, I, I believe that all of the prophecies that needed to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place have been fulfilled. Now, will God wait until some more is fulfilled? He's, he's the only one that's God. I'm not and you're not. But I know this one thing. He's coming soon, and I want to be ready. Let's just close out this service by acknowledging this fact as we sing. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.